So anyway, like as I was saying, we will be giving you a brief report on our doings in the morning service this morning, but this morning I'd like to share a, a Sunday school lesson with you from probably a very familiar passage. And it's a simple lesson, but it is one that is very convicting to me, and I hope the Lord uses it in your heart. We will be, we will end up in Luke chapter 10, but let's go to Mark chapter 12 to begin our lesson. So Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12 and verse number 28, Jesus tells us something that, about something that is very near and dear to the heart of God. It says, And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, Which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, The first of all commandments is, Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment, and the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. The testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ is the first the greatest, the chiefest of the commands that God gave is thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy being and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You know, I was thinking on that verse this week and I think there's a lot of issues that Christians bicker and argue over that would be settled if we would just honestly submit them to that command. Now turn over to 1 Corinthians Chapter 13. And here the Bible describes for us that love God desires us to have. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Quite the description. I'd like to highlight for our consideration this morning that phrase where it says, charity seeketh not her own. The love that God desires us to live with towards Him and towards our fellow man is a love or an attitude towards them that is primarily concerned with their good, with the advancement of their well-being towards God and towards men. It is unselfish. 
So I'd like for us to consider this morning, what does it mean or what does it look like to love your neighbor as yourself? God said that was the second command. And uh, Jesus actually gave us a picture of what that looks like specifically, and it's in Luke chapter 10. And uh, what would family school be like if we didn't act out the story? So I need some brave uh, young men to volunteer this morning to help me. So uh, who would like to volunteer to be the main character? I see a hand right there. All right, we have a main character. Wow, you don't even know what you're volunteering for yet. Could you, why don't you go up here on the uh, platform and stand over there? All right, now I need three more young men to be bad guys. And I figured I'd have more uh, <laughs> volunteers for this. Let's go with uh, Walter and uh, Justice and, oh, how about uh, you? All right, you guys go stand over there, the other side. And let's see, how many more do I need? I need three more. And I guess two of these are bad guys, and one of them is the hero of the story. So I see one hand right there. You go ahead and come up. There's another hand right there. You go ahead and come up. I need one more brave soul who doesn't know what he's getting himself into to come up here. If I do not have a volunteer, I will have to draft someone. I see some sisters volunteering someone. Who is that hiding behind Lincoln? William. Oh, William, you come up here. That's okay. <laughs> I, uh, I like William, so we'll pick on him. Um, okay, so you last three guys, actually, you come and stand over here, just down here on the floor, just off to the side. Luke chapter 10. Here we have an example of the heart behind God, what God intended when he said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 25, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem to die on the cross to pay for our sins. And on his way, he has an interesting encounter with someone. Verse 25, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? That's a good question, isn't it? Isn't it? And I don't, he may not have been sincere in his question, but I think he asked it to the best person he could have asked it of. He, Jesus, said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right. This do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. 
But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which of these three, which now of these three, thinkest thou, was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. Lord, we thank you for your word that we have this morning, and I do ask that you would take us and challenge us where we need to be challenged, convict us where we need to be convicted, and help us to live in a way, in a manner that would please you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So, it's always a good idea when you read a parable in the Bible to take special note of the occasion that prompted it. Jesus was a master teacher. He often used parables to teach, but in order to understand what the parable is about, you need to understand why Jesus gave it. And as we said, Jesus here, he is on his way to Jerusalem, and he has an encounter with a man the Bible tells us was a lawyer. Now, what's a lawyer? Uh, unfortunately, Lawrence is not here for us to pick on to this morning, but in this case, a lawyer, according to one theological dictionary, this lawyer was a man who was supposedly an expert in the law, in the Mosaic law, and jurisprudence. He was an expert in the, he was supposed to be an expert in the Mosaic law and how it was supposed to be applied or lived out in society. And, uh, but something else we need to notice about this man is he is a lost man. And how do we know that? Jesus answers him, and then it says in verse 29, he was willing to justify himself. And uh, the conversation they have is very interesting. And uh, I love how the, uh, the brilliance of the Lord Jesus comes out and how he knew, how, to underst- how he knew and understood how to deal with people. Because he really handles this man, not surprisingly, he really handles this man very well. The man comes to him and he asks him a question. He wants to know what he needs to do to inherit eternal life. And uh, Jesus answers his question by asking him a question. He says, basically, you're an expert in the law. What do you think? And the lawyer responds by giving what God said was the greatest commandment. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. And then in verse 28, Jesus says, Thou hast answered right. If you do this, you will have eternal life. Now, we're good Baptists. We understand that the Bible plainly teaches you're not saved by works. You're justified by faith in Jesus Christ and what he did on your behalf on the cross and that alone. So what in the world is Jesus talking about here? He's using the law for the purpose God intended it. And the Apostle Paul commented on that in Galatians chapter 3. In 
In Galatians chapter 3, Paul says, Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid, for if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. The Lord is showing this man his need. This was a self-righteous man, a man that thought he could be good enough to justify himself before God. And Jesus is using this very law he quoted to demonstrate to him that, no, you fall short of God's law. It's just brilliant the way he interacts with him. And then in verse 29, the lawyer responds, and this is the question that prompts the famous parable of the Good Samaritan. But he, the lawyer, willing to justify himself, willing to somehow declare himself righteous, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Now I imagine, like uh, lawyers are so prone to do, he is trying to find wiggle room in the law. If somehow I can define this class of people as my neighbor and this class of people as not my neighbor, then I can justify still being righteous and not treating this class of people like I would want to be treated. Uh, but Jesus does not get away with, does not let him get away with that. Instead of giving him a dictionary definition to his question, which he wanted, he answers with a story that illustrates what God, the heart of what God intended behind that command. So here we go. Jesus answering him and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. So here is our certain man. All right, our traveler. And Jesus said he was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, it is said that that road was about 11 and a half miles long, and it was desert and rocky. So not an easy hike, a long hike. They didn't have cars. Maybe if you were well-to-do, you would have had a horse or something. But uh, he's on his way from Jerusalem to Jericho. We're not told why. Maybe he was on a business trip. Maybe he had friends. Maybe he was going to Jericho for Christmas, and um, he wanted to visit his family. But uh, anyway, he's going from Jerusalem to Jericho, and then Jesus tells us tragedy happened. And that is this, he fell among thieves. Now, we have the benefit of living in a relatively secure society, and probably most of us in this room have not had the experience of uh, falling among thieves, but I hear that can be a pretty... Um, Frightening experience. But anyway, Jesus says these thieves, they, they, they attack this guy, they steal him stuff, and then they just leave him along the side of the road half dead. So here are our thieves. All right, you guys need to leave this guy on the side of the road half dead, but don't hurt him. 
All right? So you go ahead and attack him, take his stuff, and then you guys can leave because your, your, uh, your dirty work is done. And uh, yeah, so just leave him there uh, uh, wounded uh, and depart, leaving him half dead. All right, he's not half dead yet. Okay, go ahead, you're half dead, and you guys are, uh, are gone, you got the loot, you're wealthy, and uh, you can go return to your seats and be seated, so your job is done. Well done. All right, poor certain man. Not a good situation to find yourself in. So what a, what, a, what a predicament to be in. Uh, but then Jesus tells us about three other men. First of all, he tells us about a priest. And it's significant that he picked a priest. Uh, a priest, like the lawyer, would have been a religious leader. He was a man you would expect to understand the law of God and how it ought to be lived out. So uh, Jesus tells us there was a priest. All right, we need a priest. And uh, this priest, he was coming along the same road, minding his, uh, his own business. Jesus said by chance he came by. So he wasn't going on his way um, necessarily looking, expecting to find a man half dead by the side of the road. And again, Jesus doesn't tell us why this man was uh, on this road from Jerusalem to Jericho. Maybe he had a pressing business, uh, maybe... He had uh, an important meeting to attend. We don't know, but here he is. He's on his way. And as he's on his way, he looks over and he sees this certain man in sorry shape. Half dead on the side of the road. And you know what you decided to do? Leave him there? Yeah, you did. You just walked right on. He just walked Right on. He looked at him, and then he looked away, turned his feet away, and continued on his way. And then Jesus tells us about a Levite. All right, this was another religious leader, someone who should have known all about the law of God and how it ought to be applied. And uh, by the way, it's significant that Jesus, told, that Jesus picked these characters to play this role in his story. Because these are men the lawyer could have identified with. These are the men that would have been on the lawyer's team, so to speak, right? And you know what? You did the same thing. You were by chance, just on the road, minding your own business. Maybe you had pressing business to attend to, and uh, you stood there. You saw that man, he's half dead, he needs help. If no one helps him, he's probably going to die. You know what you did? Walked on. You did. You just left him. Come on, man. And he's not even sorry about it. But then Jesus introduces us to someone else, a Samaritan. Now again, Jesus' choice of character here 
is absolutely brilliant because the Samaritan is an example of someone that the lawyer probably uh, would not want to classify as his neighbor. The Jews and the Samaritans did not get along well. If you remember the story in John 4 of Jesus when he encountered that woman at the well, she told him, the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Uh, They did not get along well at all. But nevertheless, he is the hero of the Lord's story. And you know, he tells us this Samaritan, he was similar to those other guys. He was also just on a journey. He wasn't looking for half-dead men along the side of the road. But nevertheless, here he is. He was on his way. He came, he saw the man, and he stopped. And he looked at him, and he had compassion on him, and, and he bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. So why don't you take him to the inn, Take him to the innkeeper and um, fix him all up. There we go. That's it. All right. Thank you, fellas. Very good. Give him the two pence. Go on your way. And if you need more, he's got it. So if you need more, he is more than able to help cover the expenses. So there's the story. And then Jesus finishes the story by once again answering the lawyer's question with a question. He says, which of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves. And uh, this lawyer looks at Jesus and he says, he that showed mercy on him. And Jesus says, go and do thou likewise. Let your life be characterized by this man who was neighbor to the man that fell among the thieves. Go and live like he did. And no doubt that was extremely convicting to him. Uh, But I'd like to highlight something about this Samaritan. There is something Jesus specifically says about this man that the priest and the Levite did not have. And again, we need to stress that the priest and the Levite, those were religious leaders. Those were the men that were supposed to know God and to walk with God and to exemplify what it meant to live out the law of God. But they lacked something that the Samaritan had that characterized the Samaritan's decision. And actually, before I highlight that, I'd like to, I'd like to emphasize again the similarities between these three men. They were both just on their journey. You'll notice I emphasized that. They all had some reason for being on that road that day. They all had business of some kind that no doubt occupied their mind. And uh, when each of them by chance encountered that man, they each had the same choice. Help this man or leave him. 
And uh, it was not in their plans, like, I, like we emphasized, to, to find a guy half dead by the side of the road. And you know what? To help a guy like that may, may very well have been inconvenient. Uh, he was no doubt bloody and messy. Get your hands dirty helping this guy. I've got pressing business in Jericho. I need to attend to. Maybe there's still thieves hiding around here. Maybe it's not safe for me to help this guy. It's just plain inconvenient for me to stop and help this guy. So you know what? I'm just not going to do it. And that was their choice. But the Samaritan was different. And why was he different? Notice in verse 33, the Bible specifically says something of the Samaritan that it doesn't say about the priest and the Levite. And it says this, when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Now that word for compassion there is very interesting. Most of the time it appears in the New Testament and is used in reference to Jesus. Most of the time it is Jesus who is the one showing the compassion. And you know, it's very interesting when Jesus ever showed compassion on someone, it doesn't just mean he felt sorry for them. He didn't just pity them in their plight. He always took action and did something about it. If a blind man came to him and asked him to heal him, it says he had compassion on him, but it didn't just mean he felt sorry for him. He actually did something about that man's blindness. And he helped him. So compassion is something that is, is a heart attitude that, that sees the need of someone and is moved to better that need. It's moved to do something about it. And that's exactly what this Samaritan did. He went to him. He bound up his wounds. Again, I imagine that would be messy. A messy job. And uh, not only did, did he help this man at his own inconvenience, again, he had to go out of his way. He had to, he had to change his plans for the day. He had to he had to maybe even take a risk if there was thieves still nearby. And at his own convenience, but also at his own expense. He used his own oil and wine on this guy's wounds. He, uh, he set him on his own beast. I don't know if he was riding his donkey down the road, or if you know his, maybe his donkey was carrying a load, but nevertheless, he let the man ride, ride his donkey, and he brought him to an inn, and he promised to pay all his bills. So this man's compassion moved him to help this man at his own inconvenience and personal expense. And Jesus points out to this lawyer, this is the heart behind the command of God, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The one that loves his neighbor as himself is the one that sees the need of his neighbor and does something about it. 
Now, we might read this account and scratch our heads and say, okay, did Jesus actually give a direct answer to the question that prompted the parable? And remember that was, and who is my neighbor? And uh, really, he does. He gives it indirectly. You know, this guy was a Samaritan. He was not of the people of Israel. He was not of the, the chosen people of Israel. But nevertheless, he's the one that showed how the law of God should be lived out. And that tells us something. Your neighbor is anyone you happen to cross paths with. It's not limited to your nationality, to your race, uh, to your kin. It's anyone. And the one who exemplified the law of God was the one who made this decision to help. So an application to ourselves, you know, we pointed out that this story was originally given to a lost man. Jesus originally told this story to teach a lost man about his need before God. And certainly, uh, if you're here this morning and you are trying to justify yourself before God, you need to realize that you do not live up to the perfect holy standard of God. None of us in here can probably honestly say, I have kept that commandment perfectly. And uh, the greatest commandment and the second greatest commandment condemn us all, really. But uh, this account definitely also has application to Christians. Because definitely God still expects us as believers to live by what he said was the greatest commandment. And that application would be this. Are our lives characterized by compassion? Like, like this man illustrated. Are we characterized by turning our feet towards people to help them in their need, or are we characterized by turning our feet away from people because it is inconvenient or it might cost us something? And that is truly a convicting question. You know, feet that are set about to do the will of God are something that is very valuable to God. And we have scripture on that in Romans chapter 10. We are told how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. You know, we read this story and uh, we consider what it says and maybe we are convicted about uh, our lack of applying what Jesus is teaching here. But you know, Jesus himself is the ultimate example of what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus, we, this is the Christmas season, and we celebrate the day that Jesus left his home 
in heaven where he rightly deserved to be worshipped by angels and all those present. And he came to earth and he became one of us to live the life of a poor man and to face the wrath of God for us. You want to talk about inconvenience and personal expense. But the fact is, he loved us that much. And the same Jesus that did that lives in you, if you are saved. And he is there to live his life through you, to live his life to others through you. And that is an absolutely wonderful truth. Galatians 2.20 says, For I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And you know, probably the most, the the greatest way we can ever show love to our neighbor, whoever that may be, is by testifying to them about the grace of God that is in Christ Jesus. Because without accepting that gift, they will spend eternity apart from God. And, uh, you know, there are people all around the world today that uh, there are people just like you and people just like me. They might live in a totally different area of the world and under in totally different circumstances and they might look at life completely different. But nevertheless, they are people that God loves. And uh, if someone does not love them enough to leave the comfort of their own home, to enter their culture, to enter their circumstances, which may not be desirable at all, to testify to them of the grace of God that is in Christ Jesus, they will live out their life Without ever, hearing, without ever having heard about that, and they will die without God. And uh, that should sober us. But what that should also cause us to do is step back and realize, is what that should cause us to step back and realize is inconvenience and personal expense should not stop us from loving those people. You know, we are Americans and we are very blessed in this country. We don't like what is going on necessarily in our government, but the fact is we still enjoy uh, security and a peace and a wealth and a comfort in this country that most people in this world don't know. And a question that I think God asks when he looks at the church in America is, which of you will get up? You have the means, you have the resources. Which of you will get up and go to these people that are laying by the side of the road half dead? 
and will at your own expense take the, take the oil and the wine of my gospel, if you will, and pour it into their wounds and bring them to me, the innkeeper, who will care for them. Even in our own country, you know, obviously not everyone in this room is going to get up and get on an airplane and uh, cross the ocean to a different country and a different culture. Some of you in here have, but not everyone will. There are people laying half dead along the side of the road here in America, too. And... Uh, you know, it may be no accident that you are the one who, by chance, is crossing their path. Will you take the opportunities God gives you to, to, to declare the gospel to people, even if it means changing your plans for the day? Even if it comes at your own inconvenience and your own expense? Jesus, the Lord Jesus certainly did that for us. Lord, we thank you so much for this time of year where we uh, dedicate this season to stopping and thinking and remembering the day that you came on our behalf to become one of us. What a miracle. And uh, Lord, we want to thank you and praise you for loving us that much thank you for not leaving us in our sin as we deserve but thank you for coming and paying for that sin on our behalf and Lord I ask for each of us here that know you Lord would you teach us to be your channel of love to others and would you teach us to not pass by the opportunities you give us to reach those we do not know who are, spiritually speaking, lying along the side of the road half dead and will die unless someone stops and declares to them the gospel. We ask that you would bless the rest of your day, bless our service to come, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.